the crack my name is Colm and this is the sober mess podcast and you are very welcome you are extremely welcome and I'm so so happy and so grateful that you've decided to come on for an hour earful for an hour listen for an hour listen and um yeah I've no aim or direction or team on this podcast but I generally talk about mental health the good things in life, the natural resources out there that just do wonders for mental health. Um, I talk about my love of nature, my love of travelling, my love of just, I don't know, acting the bollocks, going wild out there. Um, and yeah, just all the good things in life, all the good things in life. Um, and yeah, today, today was a good day. Today was an eventful, an eventful day. So I'm training for a marathon. Have a marathon now in two weeks. I wanted it a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. Uh, I wanted to train for an actual marathon, but because it was cancelled, um, I decided to just run a marathon anyway for charity and raise money for Pieta House. So I'm running from Bray to Holt and. Um, yeah, it's in two weeks, and uh, yeah, I've been just doing, going out and running, generally, <laughs> that's basically it, going out and running, and essentially, right, so this is what happened, so you know you're going out for a run, and I don't know, if some people buy all really expensive gear to run in, and I just don't see the point in that, like, why would I expend money to run in and get all sweaty and wet and smelly? You know, like why would I if I like if you're spending thirty euro on an Under Armour T-shirt to go running in? Like if I spend thirty euro on a T-shirt, I'm wearing that to me wedding. Like you know, I'm not gonna go out running and get it all soaked and wrecked. Like you know, I'm gonna keep me good clothes for good stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, so any time I go out running, I wear like the roughest like stuff that you wouldn't paint a house in. Like that's the sort of stuff that I run in. So I, I so I was going for a run this morning and the I look for the scarliest clothes I have available to me and I put them on and uh, and then I grab me so what I do usually is if I do uh, like 10k I'm lucky that I live in Dunleary. I live in such a beautiful part of Dublin where it's great for running and I run the two pairs and then I jump in the 44 after. 44 is an amazing place where I go swimming. And it's great for recovery after a run. Uh, and it's amazing for your head as well. It's great for the mind. It's great for the mind. So yeah, I, I throw my, um, get me bag out. Throw my fucking, my coconut water, which I drink after the run. My ishka as well, just warm water. And I throw my bag on my back. And I go for the run. It's grand. Do 10k, land at the 44. 
Grant, take out my stuff to get into the 44. Only to realise, so I'm unpacking all my things, uh, take out my, my, these, all my stuff, only to realise I forgot to put my feckin' swimming togs in the bag. So I have to go on my jocks. I have to go for a swim with my jocks, right? And my boxers. The only problem is that to, I decided to wear the scaldiest pair of underpants known to man. Like, like I couldn't have picked, like, the worst pair of jocks to wear. Like, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't use these to feckin' clean your runners. Like, you, like, you know the way you have that one scaldy pair that you, you never wear but you never want to part ways with either in case you ever need something to like stop the draft coming in the door or down the chimney you know that pair you can you can if there was a rat in the house you could throw it at the rat you know there's like this a scaldy a scaldy scaldy pair and yeah these, these were the, the pair of underpants I that the universe presented me at the at the 44 so I had to, I had to swim, and like these, <laughs> these made a pair of budgie smugglers look like a feckin' nightgown. And I got up, and I dived in, and I swam, and do you know who noticed? Absolutely no one, because no one is as wrapped up in me as I am in myself. <laughs> and what that means is that I'm just not that important you know and that and that was a big reflecting for me saying oh you're so wrapped up over this and nobody knows because a lot of time people are just so wrapped up in their own shit that they, they don't care they really don't care and we can get so warped in our heads about jeez i can't go into work with with an odd pair of socks on or what would people think of this or what would people think of that but at the end of the day like people People don't care. They're not that they don't care about you or they don't love you, but they don't, they don't, care. you know, the, the little simple things that you're worried that people will judge you over. Like, you know what I mean? Even me wearing Ireland's scaldiest pair of knickers for the swim, you know what? <laughs> I, remember, I remember my dad saying this to me once, right? When you're in your 20s, all you ever do is worry about what people think about you. And then when you get to 40, you don't give a shit what people think about you. And then when you get to 60, you realise no one's ever been thinking about you. You know, and it's there's great relief in that. There's great relief that you can just live your life and not be worrying about what people think about you. You know what I mean? And just do your thing. Do your vibe. Do what makes you happy, you know? Don't be wrapped up in what people think about you you know what i mean no one's going to care if you wear a pair of socks and sandals no one's going to care if you fucking dye your hair pink you know what i mean the first time you come into work wearing something mad people go jesus that's mad then the second day it's normal it's all that's john he always wears a fucking uh poncho into work these days you know no one cares anymore um but yeah it was a lovely swim and i got talking to a lady uh, when I was in there in swimming in the 44 great community down there and uh, yeah I was just chatting away and uh, I was saying oh yeah she said you got in the sea twice today and uh, I was saying oh yeah deadly I get in the sea every day she goes Jesus every day you must you must be addicted to it 
And then, like, as soon as she said that, like, me, me being in recovery, like, as soon as she said that, I got this, like, funny picture in my head with this man sitting at it, like, a sea swimming anonymous meeting and being like, I just can't stop swimming in the sea. The, the job have fired me. The wife has left me. The kids aren't talking to me. I just can't stop swimming in the sea. <laughs> um, yeah, but it got me thinking, like, when after this lady said this to me, like, it got me thinking, like, am I dependent on the sea? Like, what, what is, like, like, what is, <laughs> just as I'm thinking about that, actually, I, I, I ran into a mate, actually, a few weeks ago, and, uh, I was talking to him, and he goes, what do you do with yourself now? I said, I got down to 44 a good bit. He goes, oh, the 44 in Dunleary. I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, I go down there sometimes too. I said, no way. He goes, yeah, I meet you down there sometime. I said, yeah, deadly, I meet you down there. And I was like to him, I didn't know you were into swimming. And he's like, into swimming? No, no, the, no I meant like the 40 foot, the pub there, the Witherspoon's pub. <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So look, this this anyway. So yeah, so this lady said got me thinking. Like, am I like what is what is dependency? You know what I mean? Got me thinking about addiction, and it got me thinking about dependency. You know what's the difference between like depending on something and relying on something? Like it's a like you you depend on like your car to get you into work, which. In one case, it's like if the car, if you're going into work and the car breaks down, you know other alternative ways to get to work. So that means you're dependent on the car. The only way for you to get where you want to be depends on the car. So in that way, you're dependent. But if you rely on your car to get to work, so you're driving, the car breaks down, and you have alternative, like you, you, you trust your car will bring you to work, but you don't, like, you don't 100% depend on it because there's alternative ways to get to work the car breaks down i'd say i could get a taxi or i could walk or i could get the bus or i could cycle you know so there's alternative ways so that's like so I, i'd rely on the car to get me to work that way you know what i mean and i think like that's the difference between depending on something and relying on something you know and like when you think of like addiction like if I'm, say, addiction is like, say, trying to alter my mood. I'm getting wrapped up in something to alter how I feel. Like, and I become dependent on it because the only way for me to feel that way is if I use this thing. The only way for me to feel A is if I do B, you know? And that's like, and I can start that, I suppose that, thought process and get wrapped up in when you think of addiction is like the only way for me to say alter to alter so it's a mood change you know when i when I, like like I, I know in in my experience you know i was i loved the i loved the feeling the mood change that i got when i drank you know i loved the buzz and the crack that i got when i drank you know no, i wasn't like a chronic drinker I was a binge drinker you know I could say I had to drink for weeks and uh, and then but as soon as I had one drink I just couldn't stop it didn't matter if it was me nanny's tea party on a Tuesday night as soon as I got a drink into me 
I was up on the table doing Mambo number five. As soon as I had a drink in me, I just turned into stag mode in my head. No matter where I was or what was going on, I was just had one drink at a tea party and now I'm on a stag. I'm in feckin' Kilkenny with the lads, going mental, but in reality, I'm in a feckin' some old dingy pub on a Tuesday night, there's not even Champions League on, the feckin' snooker's on, and I'm going wild, I'm dancing on a stool, you know, and uh, yeah, and that that was, that's what it was like in my experience, but like, what, what, why, if it like, had that effect on me, like, why, that we keep going back to it. And, and the reason was, like, the reason was, it was because I, I was dependent on that mood change that it gave me. You know, I was dependent. I used to love when, you know, obviously before I drank, I was feeling a bit, like, edgy, you know, social anxiety, shy to talk to girls, you know, um, you know, little things like that. And then when I had a drink or two, I just felt a lot smoother. It was like a social lubricant you know i felt i could talk to girls it was funny around the lads you know could have the crack could dish out the the slaggings i could talk football trivia you know i became a football expert you know and yeah it was i loved i loved that effect it had on me you know i was just all buzzy felt like felt invincible you know if i took a few drinks felt like you know felt like stephen fry and tom hardy and Tommy Tiernan, all put into one great person, you know, and that's that's what that's what I loved the effect. So I kept kept going back, n- ignoring the consequences, because I was dependent on that feeling that I thought that alcohol was the only way for me to get that feeling. Dependent on that new change, because I had this core belief that I could not like be the happy, chatty, funny, charming person that I thought I was when I drank. But that was all a load of shit because I wasn't that person at all when I drank, you know. When I drank, I, it corrupted all my my core values. You know, like my core values could have been being respectful or being friendly, uh, being placid, anti, anti-confrontational, whatever. But when I drank, it corrupted all my core values and I, I turned into the opposite person where I wasn't respectful, I was obnoxious, you know. I wasn't anti-confrontational, I was aggressive, you know what I mean? I went from like, being friendly and placid to being a, a, a drunken mess. Hence the name of the podcast, um, you know, and uh, and yeah, like this isn't a, like an anti booze podcast. Like I, like personally, I just had an unhealthy relationship with it, and that's all it is. But like, if you look, just loads of people like my friends or family, and they and they have a really healthy relationship with drink. You know, with a brother, you can have one or two drinks, and you can have a bit of a crack, have the buzz. But he just knows when to call it a night, you know what I mean? And uh, and it does, it does, look, it helps relax him, and it's great. And my nanny as well. Um, I was over in her house last week, and uh, I was sitting down chatting with her, and I was telling her, oh, nanny, I'm actually doing a podcast, and she's 95 years of age. So I was thinking it'd be great to be able to have a chat with someone 95 years of age. Well, not, not to publish it on this, just to share with the family, and just to kind of hear the history where she grew up, things like that. And I say, nanny, would you be for like 
doing a podcast with me and she's like oh jesus no god no i wouldn't i wouldn't be into that at all i wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to do that uh too shy and uh, i was like okay yeah that, that's not worries at all so she had that night then uh, she has she has a glass of wine and next thing she nearly does a backflip into the sitting room and i was like yeah go on sure I'll, I'll do the podcast i'll give it a shot and she was like fucking grain northern couldn't show her up and uh, you know so like the drink does you know it, it does really help some people you know what I mean? it does take the edge off you know and it does help people to relax and if you have a healthy relationship with it and that's a-okay and that's fine you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that going out having a few drinks and enjoying yourself and you can do that then that that is absolutely no problem at all you know i like i just couldn't do that you know what i mean my thing was that um as soon as I had one, I just, I had to, I went into stag mode, I went into feckin' stag mode, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, so, th- this got me thinking, like, about the, being dependent and being reliant, like, this one's saying about the car, if the car breaks down, you can't go to work, you've no other way to get to work, you know, and this was, when I stopped drinking, I was like, right, when I stopped drinking, I've not, I've no other way to be happy now, I've no other way to be funny, or to go out and enjoy myself, or to live life anymore, because I'm not, I was so, because I was dependent on drink. But little did I know that that was just a mindset, that was just a belief that I had, that I had this belief that the only way for me to be happy, or the only way for me to have the crack, or for the only way for me to have a buzz, was to drink, you know what I mean? So, but it wasn't the case, it wasn't the case, because, Obviously now I'm off for a few years and I'm fucking and I have and I'm great crack. <laughs> no one thinks of what I think so I think I'm great crack and my nanny thinks I'm great crack and that's all that matters. So. You know, one of the one of the reasons people turn to addiction is an inability to deal with stress. So like one of the things I want to try to talk about today as well is addiction. And you know, when when you think of addiction, right? What do you think of? You think of the when you think of an alcoholic, you're thinking of the homeless guy on the park bench, like with the paper bag, drinking out drinking out his paper bag, um, you know, or when you're thinking of the, the addict, the drug addict, you know, you're thinking of the um you're thinking of the guy down the lane shooting up, shooting drugs into his into his veins or whatever, you know, that that's the that's the that's what we think think when we think of an alcoholic or an addict but in reality you know addiction is anything that we come dependent on which can have negative consequences you know so where where does it all stem from so if you think addiction what does it come like before addiction think of a habit you know what what is a habit a habit is like a reward system when i do when i feel like a and I do B, I feel like C. So when I do A, so when I feel like A, A is the trigger. I'll, if I do B, B is the routine or the action. And C is the reward. So it's a reward system. When like when I do this, this is the result I'll get. So say for example, so I have it. Say for example, you feel hungry. So this is the habit of eating, right? The habit of food. You feel hungry, that is the trigger. The routine is, or the action is, that you eat. And then the reward is that you feel replenished. 
So that, that's your habit right there, you know. So your brain, that's a learned behavior. That's a learned thinking thought process that you've said to yourself, right, when I'm hungry, when I eat, I'm rewarded by feeling replenished. Um, it's the same if you're thirsty, you know. The, you feel thirsty, you get the act of drinking water, will reward you with feeling uh, quenched, quench your thirst. Or if you're smelly, if you're a bit smelly, you haven't had a wash in a few days, and right, so you're smelly, that's the trigger. The act is having a wash, having a shower. Um, and I don't know much about that. I see it. You don't need to shower when you see it. <laughs> um, and the reward is you're clean. So you're smelly, you shower, you're clean. So that's that's the reward system. Well, the habits that say cut the grass, or you, your your gardens, your gardens falling apart. Uh, the act that's the that's the trigger. The act is you go and cut your grass, and the reward is you have lovely clean garden, lovely cut grass. So that that's how a habit works essentially. Uh, it's a reward system. It's a learned behavior. We've taught our brains that when I feel when whatever the trigger is, when I do this act, this will be the result. So, but imagine there's a lot of mood altering habits out there as well. Mood altering changes that we do when like say you're feeling sad uh, you might turn the food you know you feel a bit sad you know i'll eat this ben and jerry's and i'll result in feeling a bit better you, you know the old cliche going through a breakup boy the ben and jerry's load of chocolate you know you'll feel a bit better and um, maybe you want to put you're feeling a bit bored you want to have a bit of fun watching the football you want to place a bet you know you're thinking place a bet enjoy the football or place a bet watch the horse race and a bit of excitement you know maybe maybe you're feeling a bit low one of the days you had a hard day in work or you're going to a party you're looking for a bit of social lubricant what do you turn to you have a drink have an old drink have the crack you know it'll help you loosen up a bit be able to go into the dance floor and dance and it can be great for that um can be exercise as well you know you want a bit of a buzz you're just feeling like a bit anxious. So we go out and we go for a run. We feel the escapism that we feel when we run. We get that big dopamine fix. Or maybe you're feeling a bit insecure. We can turn to online shopping. I'm feeling a bit insecure about myself. I might buy this thing online to make me feel better. It could be any piece of junk. could be fucking a canoe or something. Some crap that we don't need. And yeah, I'll turn to online shopping. It'll make me feel better. So, do you see what I'm getting at? I'm just saying things that we could do that alters our mood. Things that we do outside of ourselves to alter how we feel on the inside. You know, so the habit of say, so you, so it's like, so we can teach our brains that if I want to alter how I feel, I'll do this activity. If I feel like A and I do B, I'll feel like C. So there's the habit of altering how we feel. And this is when it, where addiction comes in, where we become dependent on this mood change, on this habit to change how we feel. So if I'm saying every time I feel sad, the only way for me to feel happy is if I eat food, essentially. You know what I mean? So I'm feeling low, I'll turn to food and make me feel better. Or I'm feeling stressed out, I'm feeling down. So I'll turn to alcohol. Alcohol becomes my coping mechanisms because I've, I've, t- I've taught my brain the only way for me to feel good or the only way for me to feel like confident or the only way for me to feel a sense of escape from reality is or to deal with stress is to turn 
to alcohol, you know, and this is where I come dependent on on alcohol because it's the only way for me to feel a sense of escape is if I turn to alcohol. And look, addiction can be classed as pleasure that turns to pain. And but then we get caught in that loophole that right the pleasure of having a few drinks and the pain of waking up in a hangover or the hangover or the the the, the consequences of binge drinking or chronic drinking whatever it is um, and then we escape that pain by seeking more pleasure you know and we're caught we're caught in that loop you know what I mean we're just we're seeking that thing outside of ourselves to make us feel better and this and this thing outside of ourselves which could be food gambling alcohol smoking loose excess whatever it is but it's that we're chasing it to alter how we feel um, you know, and that's like, but that's where addiction starts, you know, it's that I cannot feel, for me to alter how I feel or to feel it for me, in order for me to feel happy or for in order for me to feel fun or for all, in order for me to be a, a chatty guy, I need this thing outside of myself, you know what I mean? Um, in my personal case, it was drink, you know, I, I wasn't a chronic alcoholic, but I was a binge drinker, you know, I just couldn't have one drink, you know what I mean? If I... I remember telling an ex-girlfriend, oh, I'm just going out to watch a Liverpool match. And I'd end up staying out for the feckin' season. Um, but what triggered me to have them for a few drinks in the first place was because I wanted to change how I feel, alter how I feel, get the mental effects of how I feel. And I didn't drink because I liked the bubbles or how it tasted or whatever. I drank for the mental effect, for the mental escape, you know what I mean? And to help me cope with stress, help me cope with life, and just the escapism of it. And that that was it, you know, and uh, and I became dependent on it, you know what I mean? I became dependent on that mood change, you know what I mean? But it doesn't have to be alcohol, it doesn't have to be like drugs, it, do, it can be anything that we use on the outside of ourselves. And a lot of times we're just, it's an unhealthy coping mechanism, an unhealthy way of dealing with stress. And, you know, and then it, we, we teach our brains that oh, every time I'm feeling stressed out and if I do A, B or C, it'll make me feel better. So I'm stressed out after hard work, have a few glasses of wine. Or if I'm stressed out after work, I'll have a few joints. Or if I'm stressed out after work, I'll have this big slice of cork and millish or this cake or pack of fig rolls, whatever it is. Um, but the thing is that I have an unhealthy way of dealing with it because it ends up having consequences. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a few drinks or a, a, a slice of cake or a few drinks, whatever, whatever, whatever is your weapon of choice. You know, it doesn't really matter. But what it is is that if I become dependent on it, you know, that the only way for me to feel a certain way is if I do this thing, that's when it can become unhealthy. That's when we're willing to go to any length to get our fix and whatever the fix is and it's like it's like Gollum out of Lord of the Rings you know that we just want to chase the precious as soon as I get the precious then I'll feel happy then I'll feel complete then I'll, de I'll de-stress I'll, I'll feel you know I feel fun and, and I'll feel I feel top of the world but I need to get the precious and the precious can be anything anything at all and yeah just while talking about uh, talking about Gollum and, and he was in, obviously in meditation. Another thing is, is mindfulness. Um, so I can find healthy ways to deal with stress. You know what I mean? That when the stress builds up, that like I don't need to run away from it. You know, it's like, say if you have a bucket um, 
and the bucket's filling up with water, you know, and that water is stress, you know. If you pop holes in that by, say, meditation or, you know, it could be exercise, it could be creative reading, it could be uh, creative writing, and what, whatever it is that helps you to de-stress. The more holes you put in that bucket, the more you're able to clear, clear that stress out, clear that stress out over your head and just feel a bit more chilled. You know, it could be traveling, um, you know, it could be music could be nature, could be puppies, you know, could be whatever it is that makes you feel chill, but doesn't have any massive consequences that won't, you won't regret doing the next day, you know, and uh, so yeah, for me, it was about trying to find uh, different ways, healthy, healthy coping mechanisms, Lord of the Rings, the order of Lord of the Rings is a guy called J.P. Tolkien, and he, um, he wrote The Hobbit, and he wrote Lord of the Rings, and the interesting thing about this guy is that he was in World War One, and he suffered terribly from PTSD, PTSD uh, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And so this is essentially trauma from the past, which is resurfacing and repeating itself in the present. And um, so he was suffering terrible from this. And one of his coping mechanisms for this was creative writing. And he started writing and he went on to write The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But it was like his coping mechanism for trauma was creativity, which is obviously a positive thing. So it's about learning to find like these positive uh, coping mechanisms, you know what I mean? So for me personally, like for me looking to de-stress using alcohol or using gambling or excessive exercise or online shopping until I'm broke, you know, it, these can be defined as unhealthy coping mechanism so I have to learn like, what are some healthy coping mechanisms that I, I can use which won't necessarily have any consequences you know so I find that what are the healthy ways to de-stress so for me it was obviously uh, one of the things I do was getting in the sea and um, another one of the things I do is but we're always going to lean into something like there's, there's nothing wrong with kind of you know, you're having a stressful day, going home and having a glass of wine, you know, you're just feeling a bit feckin' fed up and you want to go and have a bit of chocolate or, you, you know, you want to have a bit of crack, a bit of laugh and put a bet down on the football or what, whatever it is. Like, there's nothing wrong at all uh, indulging into something, you know what I mean? We all do it. It's perfectly okay. Um, you know, but if it's having, like, constant negative consequences, you know what I mean? Um... You know, and then for me, it's just about, for me, it's just to look at, right, do I need to examine my relationship with this, that every time I'm stressed out, if if my relationship breaks down or I miss the bus, that I'm, you know, leaning towards having a drink, or every time my boss gives me a strange look, I'm freaking out and going home and eating a fucking five chocolate farascados as lovely as that sounds um you know so it's it's all about balance i suppose you know um but yeah i'm just uh, i'm gonna i found this lovely poem about addiction and uh, i'm just gonna give it a give it a little read and uh, hopefully it might help someone um so it's uh this is the start of it i walk down the street there is a deep hole in the sidewalk i fall in i am lost I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. I walk down the same street. 
There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. I walk down another street. So, it's a nice little little poem about about addiction. And um, yeah, look and look, I've always had me ups and downs. I've had a few. Um, so I had a few fucking great nights out as well, you know, and a few cringy nights. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what like one. <laughs> I suppose this is one of me one of me highlights. Um, was actually at my own Debs, and I remember going to the Debs, and uh, and the girl I went with, she was from a very nice part of Dublin. Uh, she's from D four, so if she had <laughs> from a very nice background, and uh, if she hadn't married me, there'd be a few bob in the family. There would have been a few bob in the family. I think if that was like a, a, a fucking um, a barrister or a fucking t shirt or something like that. So anyway, went to this Debs and nervous as anything, nervous as anything, going round to our house. And um, I have a few, uh, a few shots of vodka, just, just to take the edge off, as you do, as you do. And uh, went around the house, picked her up in the limo, met the parents, and all was good. Uh, went out to the Debs then, and the Debs I think was the dance was on uh, in a hotel out in Mead. And uh, and I was at this stage now. I'm worst for where I'm in a pretty pretty bad state. Barely stand up, and we're rocking away on the dance floor. And uh, I'm after like at this stage now. I can barely stand, and I think this girl's trying to get fed up with me. Like I'm on my last my last straws for the the, the marriage and everything. And uh, and we're dancing away. And next thing we look across the hall. At the dance floor, and I noticed that there's another dance floor in the next room, and it's packed. It's full of people, and I'm thinking, "Hey, what's going on over there?" I said, "That looks unreal over there." And I said to her, "Do you want to go up and check it out?" And she said, "Check what out?" I said, "The dance floor." She says, "What? What? What are you talking about?" I said, "Right, hold on, I'll be back in a second. So I leg it over to this dance floor to go in, and as soon as I'm running through the door of it, another lad comes running out, and the two of us will smash into each other, and I fall on the ground, and my whole face is banged up, and the other guy's in a bad way, and it's on, and everyone runs over to see if I'm all right, and they're like, what happened? I'm like, I was just I was running into this sort of dance, and this fella ran out and smacked straight into me, and they're like, uh, that's a mirror. <laughs> Oh, so it was like just a flexion I was looking at this giant mirror and I went running straight into it thinking it was, there was a dance on in the other room but um, so look there's been ups and downs ups and downs swings and roundabouts but I hope everyone has a lovely lovely gentle day full of kindness and self-compassion for yourself and for others and yeah just notice the simple things in life going for a walk um, being out in nature you know try to see that if you're feeling up for it um, you know do something productive do maybe even try some creativity you know some journaling whatever it is that helps you you know um, what helps me is to try just do everything in the present moment you know try presently eat my dinner 
presently go to work, presently fucking, <laughs> presently watch Netflix, whatever it is, just try and be in the present, we drift in and we drift out, um, and that's okay, and have absolutely no expectations on yourself, and yeah, I really hope this uh, podcast has helped someone, and if you know someone that might help, sure, forward it on to them, forward it on, and um yeah, and if, if anyone's looking for any further information about addiction or if you've any family members or friends that may be affected, there's loads of information online. There's loads of information and support for f- not only for the person uh, who's, who's experiencing uh, going through some form of addiction, but also for family members and friends who are affected. Um, so yeah, if you check on the old tinternet, um, so yeah, I hope everyone has a beautiful day and uh, I'll catch you soon.